Magic the Gathering has seen potentially its biggest transformation occur across the past two years, with world events, internal growth, and a changing player base all contributing to the game it is today. So, after two years and 100 episodes of this podcast, how have we changed with this game? And what does our relationship with it look like moving forwards? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. Episode 100! All the annoying noises. Oh, yeah. Set them all off. Oh, yeah. Triple digits, baby. Triple digits. Didn't even break a sweat. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? It is very strange, right? I mean, if you consider, even if it was like one, if 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 we did do the with the one per week, that's like two years, um, nearly. Mm. And it wasn't. It, we had some delays, so it has been like two years. Yeah, which is kind of that's that kind of blows my mind more than a hundred episodes because a hundred once you get past like twenty or whatever, it's it's like it's like what I imagine what like big YouTubers feel like, right? You know, when that that sub number goes up, it starts ticking up into like five digits and six digits and stuff. It's like, how do you even comprehend that without like it breaking your brain, right? For me, it's mm. like the longevity, like two years doesn't actually doesn't sound that long, but in the grand scheme of things, over the last, especially over the last years and everything being quite intense and a lot of stuff happening, like that to me is quite quite impressive. Um, we published our first episode. Oh. Uh, episode one, what is flavor? Question mark uh, on January the 9th, twenty twenty, um, and I'm sure people have, have who are long time listeners of this show. We can say long time listeners now. It's been on for a long time. Um, have probably heard us talk about the fact that we recorded. I think it was like maybe the first four, maybe five, um, before we released any of them. Because I, I I seem to remember when we were doing research about like how do you even do this kind of a thing? You know, this is pre COVID as well, so like the uptick in in this kind of media like although podcasts are obviously huge and have been for quite some time now like obviously covid had another little renaissance for it all um one of the big advices i had found was that you record several because then you find a rhythm and then you release maybe four in a first little glut and then by the time people like your thing on the first one you might go and re-record the first one which is actually something we did um so we actually recorded the first episode twice and that was the one that we were kind of happy with you kind of get your little rhythm going even kind of before you start um yeah january the 9th though is when we when we released it so yeah we released the first three so uh what is flavor uh throne of eldraine flavor review and the first is the worst uh eagle-eyed people might spot that for some reason on our podcast provider episodes three and two have always been flipped around and i have no idea why it's <laughs> put on our like on our little thing episode three comes second and episode two comes third i tried to change that i have no idea how, how to change that i don't think i can um but yeah wild yes. absolutely mm. wild do you think us? St- do you think if we redid like the first five episodes again? Do you think in the last two years that the identity has changed enough that we'd have to kind of relook at a lot of things? Like, so I haven't really looked. I haven't re- rechecked the script out. And weirdly enough, which sure. is really tragic, I think I've lost like most of those initial scripts from the first um, from the first like year of, of of recording, which is actually a shame. I hope you have them archived somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, so when we first started this podcast, uh, we used to quite heavily outline things that we were doing, because we were also doing episodes. We we kind of wanted to get like the bedrock of flavour episodes out there. These are things that other like content creators have also done, but we wanted to do like one big episode on each 
colour, for example. And then at the same time that we were doing that, Throne of Eldraine and Theros Beyond Death were were kind of big, and so we did full set flavour reviews of those whilst doing these big colour episodes. And it wasn't until about maybe episode 10, which was Walking with Flavour um, on February the 18th, 2020, where we started to kind of break out and do those more like nebulous episodes. But for the first sort of nine, uh, I think nine was State of the Story. So that was like our bedrocking of where we were at with Magic Narrative specifically. But yeah, our first nine episodes were all colour breakdowns, story breakdown, and kind of what the fuck are we going to be talking about for the next two years, you know? And so they were very heavily scripted. And, you know, go all the way to episode 100 today, where we have no outline whatsoever. Because today, it just doesn't need it for today. Today, we're going to be talking about things far more nebulously. And then everywhere in between, obviously. But yeah, it's, I think, I think if we were to go back and redo those colour episodes, I think... Uh, a lot of things will have changed. I remember, I haven't actually listened back to it in a long time, but I remember in The First is the Worst, White, it was just as Theros Beyond Death was breaking. And we'd already seen like a few big uh, big cards from that set. I think we'd, we'd seen um, Heliod, the new Heliod card from that set. Mm. And so I remember distinctly saying something along the lines of, you know, this is what white is. However, with a new set breaking, I can't wait to see what Wizards potentially does with this color. And obviously, in the mm. past two years, white and red indeed has had a huge revamp. So I'm sure the maybe our, our like where could this color improve and go bits would be different. But I still mm. think the philosophy of those colors would be the same because they have stayed true to what they've been doing. Red is the color of passion and impulsivity, and white is the color of structure, law, and oppression. You know, so. Mm. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the interesting one was out of the last two years has been Strixhaven, right? In terms of the the one set that's really tried to like reverse um, uh, an expected um, play pattern of color combinations. Mm. I think the blue green Quandrix was the only one that didn't really subvert the expectation too much. Um, and I feel like they, they did have some serious uh, contenders for like um, like outliers, like things like Osgear. Like I, I played the other night um, White Red Reanimator, and it felt like I was playing control control Reanimator in colors that are normally you know slap slap face with six ones and stuff like that. It was really mm. interesting to see that they're not necessarily breaking the colors, but they're definitely giving the colors more breadth because we did everything kind of as a comparison to like this is what it was like in alpha, and sometimes it even seemed like in alpha colors could do more or had more interesting effects, even if it was like you know effects that don't necessarily fit in today, like you know protection and land destruction and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's good to to see in the last two years that yeah they they do seem to keep trying to, I guess reinvent the wheel is the wrong word but there is this idea of consumer fatigue right if you don't continue to make the toys all bright shiny and new and doing something interesting you're gonna lose interest right which is Mm. something that magic somehow managed to get away with almost every set of where they have to kind of reinvent what's what magic players want to see um and there's only so many times it's like fashion right i guess like fashion never goes out of fashion it's just it's a different type of fashion yeah the 90s are very much back in have you noticed yeah, it's really strange because I didn't. I didn't think there was anything good about the nineties. <laughs> oh, I, well, I wholeheartedly disagree. Like, I love the nineties. I mean, stylistically, like, I, some or no, I love I it. Miss I, those I'm feeler so happy trainers or whatever they are. Oh god! No, no, no! I love it. I love everything about it. Actually, um, do you know what and... I say that? I'm literally wearing these unless unless you chuck tracky. <laughs> what am I talking about? I am literally living it. Oh shit! Oh, such a no. I'm I'm very happy the nineties are back. I'm just I'm, I'm annoyed that I haven't got any of my old clothes. I mean, old from when I was like a, 
a child and a teenager. Yeah, there we go. They, they, um, they wouldn't fit anymore, but <laughs> no, for sure. Um, so I said, so I'm I'm looking at the episode list now, and today we're going to be talking mostly about you because this is also going to be your last episode with us for a while because you're you're going right. on your travels. You're also taking a bit of a break from magic because of you're going on your way on your travels. But this is also just us having a little look over our time on the podcast so far over the past two years. I mm. said, I think it was either last episode or the episode before, um, that it was around episode 20 was when uh, we started doing online records versus in-person records because we used to record with just one Blue Yeti microphone in between the two of us because it's got that kind of two-way mode on it. And then we'd just scream into the microphone <laughs> and shout our opinions. And then I'd have to edit it over the course of like five hours trying to make a clean episode out of it before we found the online thing and we could do two tracks and it was all a little bit like cleaner. Um, although I'm sure a lot of my earlier attempts at, at editing that just seemed way too sterilized. Um, it's not episode 20 that that happened. Whereabouts do you think it is hovering around there? What episode number was our last in-person one? If you could just off the I'm top of your head, it gonna drift it a little bit later. I'm gonna say twenty-four, episode fourteen. Fuck off, really? It was only fourteen. Episodes. Fourteen. The, considering we did a chunk of those together at the beginning, that was only what like then ten weeks, like a couple of months maybe of doing it in person before we had some... March seventeenth, twenty twenty, episode fourteen, legendary potential, where we look through what makes a legendary creature. Uh, and also what creatures we would think in the magic universe had the potential to be a legendary creature if we wanted it to be. Do you remember that episode at all? I remember the I, I remember the first half. I don't I don't remember what we said for the second. I remember, I remember I talked a lot about Koldotha Forgemaster and Underrealm Lich being ones that I could see like yes. if you staple a name onto those creatures, then yeah. they would absolutely be legendary. Not just because of what they did, but because of what they represented in their like little sphere on the plane, you know. I like that we've come back to this topic a few times, right? Because I was I, I listened about um when we recently did the legends that felt lackluster, right? Looking mm-hmm. at the uh, Brothers War coming out and um Dominary United and characters we might see that actually get like, you know. A card that's worthy um and i think i think that's a big i think that's been a big thing like recently i guess the, the big the big the, the big thing the big big thing that's that's happened in magic over the last two years that we've been able to ride quite comfortably is that commander baby you know yeah commander oh, yeah. commander is is the format now right and for better or for worse considering the other formats but it's really kind of helped fuel a lot of what we do because it is first and foremost kind of like a a flavorful format right it's not necessarily um, a spiky format. I mean, there is obviously CDH, which has its own creative and versus spike kind of um, debate. So I don't necessarily think the CDH doesn't have its own um, creative and, fl- and flavor flair to it, but obviously that's much more geared towards winning. But um, yes, idea of like legends and, and how many legends you should have and whether legends live up to potential and what, what names you're putting into flavor text mm. um, when you finally give, as you said, the Ram Corrales kind of argument of like, what, you're always going to let down some part of your audience when you finally give a name. Like this is kind of like fuel to our fire, and I think we've done these episodes quite a lot because they speak quite a lot and they're easy to engage with. But um, in terms of like legendary flavor, I think it's a really, I think it's probably been one of our our, our easiest pools of, of of topic. I think over the last few years. Oh and yeah, I think it's one of the best the best things I like. I think in 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 sets. So I was trying to think of this earlier. I was thinking, oh, if you start asking me like, oh, well, what's your favorite set? What's been your favorite set? And I usually think I like sets with like rigid structure, like rigid, like faction structure, usually three color blocks. So I really liked Alara, really liked Tarkir. Um, I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of Ravnica in the way that it structures itself as well. 
I think a lot of that comes, I like this idea of cycles of like multicolored like legends and having each faction kind of be identified with these, with these legendary figures and the way that they represent their, um, their um, houses, say, for example, like with the dragons from uh, Strixhaven or, you know, the progenitors from Ravnica, that kind of mm. idea. Like it's going to be really exciting seeing the demon, the demon bosses, you know, going into Nuka Pena, for example, um, especially since they're going to be like three color kind of um, legends. And I, I just think that's kind of where our flavor, I think the, the biggest pull from Commander comes from, right, is identifying and throwing yourself behind a random legend and trying to make that legend sing in the best possible way sure like a legend or indeed like you know a a tribe that's maybe not as represented or maybe a little bit janky i mean we we played uh we played some commander last night at time of recording and i I think in the game you were the only person who didn't um have a a tribal deck per se only because your two tribal decks elves and goblins Mm. they're not tribal decks (laughs) like they're they're decks which the tribe just does an incredibly powerful thing but we had like a zombies deck and a and a vampires deck and my werewolves deck and you played like eggly which has like you know which i I guess all commander decks are really tribal if you're if you broaden the term out a little bit we've spoken about this as well like tribal between like uh keywords or whatever Mm. um but yeah yeah, I, I think you're right. Having like you do tend to go towards those more structured sort of sets. I mean, you did miss out a Coria for your three color structured set. That's funny because that's one of the ones that kind of I apparently just didn't hit home enough. Because I was thinking about this as well. I was thinking one of my earliest memories of like cards that I really enjoyed um, and had a bit of affinity to for no reason. I'd have no idea why were the Talus cards um, from like back 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 in the day. What set we're looking at? The Talus. Talus were. Palisadeship, for example, was Portal Second Age. So this is like going all the way back to ninety eight, right? And Talus Airship is just a three two flying airshipy kind of of, of card, uh, art, art by Mark Tedden, and still one of my favourite uh, cards. Uh, I like it because the cloud effect from the artwork kind of swings into the um, oil effect that's on the outside of the blue cards, um, as we've sure. talked about in previous episodes. Um, and I it. it like Ikoria also had that right. It also had that kind of feeling of like air airships, and it kind of felt like a little bit mortal engines-y kind of thing. And I don't know why, but I feel like Ikoria just tried to do so much. I think we said this in the episode, and when we talked mm. about the episode, flavorwise, it just tried to do so much. It just kind of lost its own identity in all the bullshit, you know. In one, one of the block coolest... as well. Yeah. One set, sorry, not one block. Yeah, one set, exactly, yeah. Um, and, like, even one of the best things, I think one of the coolest ideas was this companion idea, especially for, like, Commander, even if some of them specifically didn't work or were pre-banned, you know, literary RIP. Um, mm. They've literally had to ban, like, Lurus from absolutely every format apart from Vintage, I think, now is, is the only format you can play it in. Yeah, the latest ban announcement, Lurus is gone from modern. <laughs> yeah, it's just stricken, stricken from the annals. And that's after nerf. It's the only, like, you know, mechanic that got nerfed and got given, like, it costs three more to play this mechanic and still wasn't still wasn't nerfed enough. So I feel like they did so much, like, the idea of mutate was really cool, but it was very com- convoluted, the ability keywords and all that kind of thing. I just feel like it didn't have enough of an identity to keep it in my mind as being a, 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 um, a plane I want to go back to. Right, we, we've talked to this about, a lot about how um, the humans came across and like the um, the, the, the fascism of of Dranith. and I feel like there's very few redeeming factors of this of this of the plane that kind of wants us to go back. Even like the big bad was just some random voice, right? It doesn't. There wasn't mm. anything like going. Mm, I wonder who the big yeah. overlord. Yeah, you know that, that's felt like that was from. We another still haven't had a well. resolution to that, have we? Nope. We're still not sure if it's Oko or if it was somehow Tezzeret or yeah, we don't know. Or Again, or something. Yeah, like yeah. how many of these are deliberately left as as open, open, open ended uh, that, that that you can pick up anywhere, and how many of them have specific and deliberate um, 
drop-offs and pickups down the line. You know, we, we don't know yet. I would love for that to be Elish Norn. Like, they just kind of retcon oh, it a little crikey. bit. And although wow. the characterization might not be on point, but it'd be just be like, oh, like, they've been doing this all the way back in Akoria. Um, yeah, it's funny that you talk about how, like, Akoria didn't hit home for you. That, that second lore episode, so we, we split the lore into lore monsters and lore humans. That episode 20, where we do talk about the humans of Akoria, and specifically Dranith, and then, you know, the, the, the kind of Luca arc and um, General Kudro. That, for my money, is one of our best episodes in terms of looking really deep into the lore. And mm. and it was also lore that people, by and large, actually didn't really care for. And I, I don't know why I felt so strongly about, like, no, there's a lot going on in Akoria. I really want to do this episode specifically for the humans as well. Um, the audio quality on that episode, um, unfortunately, is hot garbage. Um <laughs> So this was, yeah, so that was episode 20. So we were five episodes into doing um, online recording. And it wasn't even the online aspect that fucked me over. It was the fact that I turned the gain all the way up on the mic. And because I didn't recognize it, I wasn't experienced enough to recognize it on the sound bars as we were recording. Because we're using a, a, a... a thing called Zencaster, which is a few podcasters use. It's an online service. And you can see your little sound bars pop up. And I, it was just a big brick of sound bar. And I was like, oh, I'm sure this is fine. I don't, I don't know why it's doing that. It's because I turned the gain all the way up instead of all the way down on my microphone. <laughs> so my, my voice is just all the way throughout the episode. Um, I mean, people who listened to it and I asked directly about feedback as soon as I knew what I did told me that like, yeah, obviously it, it's not great, but it's listenable too. And I think I don't know how many other podcasts you listen to in your day to say I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's only I tell you it's only in the past six months that even after like a year and a half of pandemic two years of pandemic that most people are now kind of au fait enough with online recording mm. like I listen to so many different guest podcasts and during that sort of little like middle 2020 to middle of 2021 like people's audio quality was like wild but people forgave it right because it's mm-hmm. like well we're all doing this, all this together yeah. so exactly. yeah it's so funny i think yeah there's been wild swings in our in our literal audio quality for like quite a long time i'm still not happy with it all the way um mm. but yeah it's it's funny man like listening back to some of those episodes and being like wow like there's some really good shit in there i wish people could actually hear it <laughs> uh yeah, I guess it's one of the tr- the kind of the proving grounds, right? Is you've got to kind of get yourself there technically as well as like creatively. Because I feel there was a lot of times that we were like not entirely sure what our not. I don't want to say like momentum because I mean because it's one of the things, right? If we always used to feel like we we spoke at length ad nauseum, if if if, if you will, about about magic, and it felt right just to be able to at least publicize it in some fashion or another. And some weeks I remember there were it's just like I'm so sick of magic. I'm so sick of consuming <laughs> magic, of thinking, of and and do you know what's really funny? Like, because this is something I didn't I didn't c- really consider until again thinking about this episode is that back in the day I was an obsessive little monster. I used to on the way back from college because I didn't necessarily have a computer at home. I would go to the local library and sit and draft up sixty card deck lists of like vampires when Zendikar was first dropping, like the original Zendikar. So I was like building up mm. like vampire lacerators, vampire nocturnuses. I used to do this like avariciously. Like I wasn't playing with anyone. I wasn't doing anything with this. I was literally just going in and just drafting up deck lists. And now nowadays I barely have time to make alterations to EDH decks that I've spent money on buying cards for. 
you know yeah. like my, my my engagement with the game is so much less like actively like needing because it just seems to happen automatically now like it's surrounded mm. me to the point of where i can't help but like before i even know it i've act- I've, I've opened my, my phone i'm on reddit and i put it punched it into the, and i'm in I'm, I'm just looking mm. scrolling through fucking spoilers and and speculation and stuff and it's it takes much less active engagement i feel like and if, if anything i feel my need to engage with magic is a lot less because my accessibility and its engagement with me has increased so dramatically. Like I play so much mm. more now, not necessarily immediately now, but I have played so much more in the last two years to the point of where there were certain days where people were like, oh, anyone playing today? And I'm like, oh, I might might just have a break, you know, like my, my, <laughs> my wrists are getting, that, right? my wrists are getting you sore, you know, <laughs> like, you don't have to go down to LGS anymore. You can just sit on no, spell exactly. table. I mean, they just sit on spell table. Like obviously I think a healthy balance is healthy. If you can, obviously not everyone can mm. go to an LGS. Not everyone can use spell table either. But like, if you have access to both, like I think a healthy bit of both is, is fine. I do know what you mean. I think it's also because when we were doing this podcast, when we started it, because we actively sought flavor in every aspect of this game because it is an incredibly flavorful game go figure we were doing things like for every new set we were doing uh like a build up to it like oh are we excited for this we've seen some spoilers we would then do the big world building episode then we'd do a mechanics episode then we'd do maybe an extra law thing if it had a really interesting thing like humans like the, like a specific law beat of the humans of Bacoria, or if it had sagas we're still doing things like the own sagas episodes then we would do a storyline episode if it had narrative and so like for each set we were doing three to four to five sometimes episodes and i think although we it's only maybe recently in the grand scheme of things that we've stopped doing that things like mechanics you could we could talk about mechanics every set and have something to say we could have we could fill an hour to an hour and a half talking about the new mechanics of each set but sometimes you just kind of go like well like uh for innistrad midnight hunt we did that as part of our like flavor picks episode. Oh, we also used to do a flavor picks episodes as well. So for every set, so it's but like I think we just went ten minutes at the start of the episode. We went, these are all good. Yeah, blood tokens are very vampire. Yeah, they're pretty vampire. Okay. Anyway, flavor picks. You know. Yeah, exactly. We, I think we we realize now that we don't necessarily need to talk about everything. Some things are just inherently there for people to see, and that maybe the mechanics out of all the things in Magic is just something that you can kind of anyone can look at and be like. I understand that Boros is the attacky one, so it's got the attacky mechanic. You're like, yep, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's only if something really like jumps out and speaks to you that we need to kind of do that. Um, but you know, that's a learning curve. And also secret layers. Like we used to do one for every secret layer drop. Mm. Fuck that. Fuck yeah, that right off. Feasible anymore? No, that's its own podcast. You could do yeah. that. You, we could do a sub podcast just looking at secret layers every time it drops. Yeah, probably do more episodes than we do now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably actually. Yeah, the the thing about secret layer drops, I find that they also at the beginning they kind of had to hit these big swings, right? They had to hit like quite far. As now they've because they've hit some quite far extremes. Now when they do the super drops, it's just like oh, we'll just chuck some random stuff towards like nothing's like too out there, right? I think the last one was that weird um golf planes that you peeled it off and underneath there was a, that sounds awful so it's, i hate i hate the idea of it so much even talking about it you peel it off and underneath there's like a battlefield forge i think and, and it's yeah. all shiny and, ugh, it's disgusting um how do you, you know, like, do an episode on that <laughs> without th- i mean Weird. thankfully it's not a visual podcast so they won't see us throwing up they'll just they'll just hear it um but yeah like nowadays like even when they're doing things like the um uh 
zodiac you know lands and things like that it's going to take something extreme for me to be like oh okay really really want to talk about it's like maybe we could have done say like the street fighter one because that is like how are they porting another ip into making it flavorful but then what i've realized with magic mechanics is that you could do something so specific and just put the um um eventually the forgotten realm you know like flavor keyword for the abilities yeah. ahead of it that you could just make any character from anything. Yeah, it's kind of solved now, right? So we, we talked about that when we talked about Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. We did a big thing about like how that's amazing for the game in certain situations. And then, cool, they've done it. Excellent, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Bish, bash, bosh, done. It's like we wouldn't do 10 episodes talking about like plains like as in or mountains. Do you know what I mean? Like they've done the mountain, they've done the forest, they've done the like the island that's it it's done now we don't need to talk about it <laughs> unless we talk maybe specifically about like what is an island really but then that's like mm. one episode do you know what i mean so yeah, exactly. yeah I, I do know what you mean they've keywords have been solved so unless they do something really drastic with it we don't necessarily need to talk about it too much chun has got yeah. multi-kicker we always knew chun was gonna have multi-kicker move on with our lives <laughs> yeah yeah I think also the interesting thing with sets these days is because we're not doing, and this is something that might that hopefully will change because I think this is one of the things that's kind of maybe ruining magic, like not subtly but also kind of obviously. Oh, here we go. We've 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 avoided saying this kind of shit for like a hun- literally a hundred episodes. Now. Yeah, now well, like it's time. To, look, I'm I'm dropping mic and stepping out now. Um, but it's <laughs> we've 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 did away with blocks, man. This is there is no time to sit. And, and ponder anymore. The hype train is not only stuck in full gear for every other aspect of, of the game, it's now in terms of our settings as well. And I feel like there's only so much you can keep this up before it starts getting really difficult to have every set have its own hook, have its own um, distinct art style, its own four different alt arts. Like we talked about this, and this is something we kind of avoided talking about for a while, This the alt art discussion. But we kind of felt mm. it in an Estrad of where you had all of these cool different borders. And then for some reason, Dracula as well. Instead of leaving that to the mm. to the secret lair, which you also did extra secret lair for as well. So instead of leaving it there, you added it into the set. You had that kind of similarly with um, um, uh, fucking Kamigawa of where mm-hmm. I really I really like all the different art styles. Like I've actively bought like foil versions, which for me is like sacrilege of specific cards because they just look so fucking good in foil. But again, you've got so many different art styles. You've not just got a Boseju, you've got Boseju with, with this artwork and you've got the alt art full art stretch board. You know, this mm. idea of where you can't keep doing this to every single set to make each set outshine the last one. It's like the basic, like, all of these things are all kind of tied in together, right? Of where the full art full art lands how do you keep making different full art lands that people want well these ones are now japanese with 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 you know traditional japanese styling it's like cool well then how are we going to make the next one well these ones are in space oh okay well then how are we going to make the next you know and this is where i feel like it's great but we're going to really feel over the next year or so which is again why maybe i'm I'm not too upset about stepping away because i thought it might be the right time to do so anyways that the pace with them trying to get keep the profits up from a Hasbro point of view, and then the pace of us going through the planes from a flavor point of view, it's just so intense. It's like it's like never getting to dilute your squash. You're just having mm. a shot of Robinson's peach and just peach. How is it? Just peach? 
peach and apricot, peach and apricot. I don't know why. And there's one of summer fruits, and then Ribena, and then before you do it, you're chewing on some some coffee granules that aren't water. You know, it's like, and it's just too much. It's just too much. So I feel like this is where they need to breathe a little, right? Just breathe a little. They nearly did it with Innistrad, but then they made the two different sets have their own distinct different things and borders and stuff as well. So even that didn't but quite I, work. I, I think that's the middle ground, though, isn't it? I think that's maybe yeah. what they're trying to do. So they did it a little bit, a teeny weeny all the way back. I think this was more of a narrative thing where you had Ravnica Allegiance and Guilds of Ravnica and then like War of the Spark was its own set but because it was still set on Ravnica and directly narratively followed the other two it felt like a three set block even though it really wasn't um, and they've done the two Innistrad sets although they released them in the same sort of like quarter period if that makes sense they just did like a very sort of quick double release and then this year we're doing Dominary United into Brothers War and I think this may be the, this is them testing slightly different ways of doing two set block structures because I think it's kind of universally agreed. Although obviously not by it, not really universally, but I think it's mostly agreed that two set blocks are actually are you not stating a bad universal thing. agreements. <laughs> no, well, obviously not. Like, but like you know, <laughs> for those for those people that are like three sets is too long because I don't want to be spending two thirds of a the year whole year, right? <laughs> and sense, for yes. people that are like one set blocks are, are ridiculous because, like you say, you bounce around. The two set block structure makes sense for like a you know a breathe in and a breathe out is what we always kind of say Precisely, on this podcast. Yeah. And to have Innistrad double the I'm calling calling it double feature, obviously not the product, but like the way that they did, you know, werewolves and vampires, and it did have a shared narrative, but they were their own sort of flavor and feel. And so the same thing will happen with Dominaria United and Brothers War, where they will have the same plane and a lot of the same themes because you know Dominaria is as Dominaria does, but Brothers War is obviously going to be a Set set in the past, so it's going to be recognizable, but whilst having a, a completely different story and uh, and kind of feel to it, but it will be recognizably the same plane with the same kind of like through line. I wonder if that's the middle ground, and I'm sort of mm. up for it. You still have the problem of having a bajillion different like mechanics per year and so many different set symbols, it hurts, and just you know things like that. But you do then get to settle in a bit i'm really looking forward to dominaria united brothers war i'm not even that big of a dominaria fanboy like the set dominaria was obviously great in its own right but in terms of the plane and the story uh, obviously it's, it is magic like it is magic that storyline but mm. i'm not that fussed but i'm really looking forward to seeing them do this is the like where the plane is now how do we go back to the past and is it going to feel like we've been on this plane for a good amount of time before we leave it or is it just going to feel muddy and, and wet and I, I don't really know I don't really know but I'm looking mm. forward to seeing it yeah same I guess that's the kind of thing they have to solve right is it's not just um, it's keeping the, the, the format or, or the, the structure fresh enough that you're not just doing return to sets because only so often you can return to a set before that gets tired. We're kind of running out of sets that haven't had a few returns to. Alara, I think, is the next one in terms of people going, okay, well, this is the one that you have no reason not to go back to. I guess we're going to go back mm. to it eventually. Um, but then also in terms of like big bads, as it were, like we haven't got, we haven't seen a big arc a big new arc as it were we know the Frexians are coming back but at that point you've kind of done the Frexians more than once you've given them their big break come back and for what we assume is defeated I guess the opposite is that the Frexians win and the next 10 years of magic is like Frexian magic but which would be, ri- that would be really interesting it would be interesting but I, I sort of feel like we forget Nicobolus wasn't 
just contained yeah. to the the Bolas arc from the Gatewatch Fords. He's been a big bad in Magic for a long, long time. That's what I mean. So, yeah, but again, so we've we've done this. We did the big we did the big Nicobolas coming back and then kind of defeated. Pretty much put on ice. Okay, yeah, giving him a backdoor option if we need to go back to him. They'll do the same thing with the Fractions as well because all you've got to say is that oh, the oil got to one more plane that they haven't managed to vanquish them from yet, right? But after those two, apart from bringing back the Aldrazi, which I think won Aldrazi fatigued, and technically they kind of came back once already anyway with the whole um, surprise Emrakul kind of thing. I feel like that at that point they have to either invent new big bads, which every every game, um, every fantasy world needs kind of anyway, or they have to set up, I guess, the thing that we haven't looked at, which they probably will do because they keep copying off of it anyway, uh, is the anti-Gatewatch, right? They maybe create this like Legion of Doom that can then fight against the 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 uh, the good guys after their victory against the Phyrexians and maybe that's nice, a, a nice feud because it can happen across multiple planes at that point, right? This big battle thing and maybe then the planes can be slightly more of a backdrop, which I know people have an issue with, but then it means that they don't have to go deeper into the. This is the thing, you've got to balance your how much story you've got available to your planes with the characters and the stories you're doing it with. This is the thing about Ikoria looping back to that initial conversation is that Ikoria, the plane itself is dull as fuck. It wasn't, but as in like there was, it was so it was so such a smorgasbord. You couldn't you you, you couldn't pick any individual thing out. The it was story it was itself, just it was all it was all just like natural triomes, wasn't it? And with with mm. a city, yeah. And, a fl- and there was another floating city, but yeah, pe- no people like big hubs of like characters, and Ikoria yeah. was very sparsely populated. And the only people that pop the only like major power on that plane were either humans, which people are bored of, or monsters and the whole thing about the monsters is that they were incredibly diverse it's like well you can't latch onto anything weirdly no, exactly it's <laughs> yeah. like which one's this one is it a cat nightmare beast or is it a beast nightmare dinosaur or is it a dinosaur it's like no one cares no one cares anymore no one cares stop, yeah. stop doing it but like the actual story was really invested like was really really good to invest in like i really like the journey of luca we have spoken about this for, for for a while i think he's probably my uh, dark horse in terms of like my favorite walker because i think he's kind of like similar to soren in terms of if you don't know exactly like he has questionable intentions and motivations that kind of thing but you can kind of still somewhat sympathize with him i feel sorry obviously went leaps and bounds in the last block to kind of win himself back do you know how being... much in the minority within the magic community not just the vorthos community but the magic community we are with that the, the fact that we we have a bit of like investment or like a bit of intrigue into luca's storyline and so we've done multiple episodes looking at his representation as uh, a tragic hero versus mm. uh, the representation of toxic masculinity versus the representation of a misunderstood uh like anti-hero we are like the only people in the entire magic sphere that give any sort of shit about luca that's yeah. <laughs> just, you don't need so company strange. to be right my friend you don't need company to be correct okay oh man um, it's but no I, I just it's the children who are wrong <laughs> yes exactly you know like I, I feel he has such a wealth of potential of potential sympathy or from or just being or just walking that line right it's quite nice to see someone who could potentially do good who just constantly falls into the bad side of things um i don't know that's that seems way more compelling than than elf who likes nature you know when you strip off all of the other parts of her personality that made her interesting because you're uncomfortable with representation diversity good job wizards um but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's just, he's, he's cool. He's got options. You know, it's just, it's very easy. It was very easy for Magic to spend a long time being very two deep, two dimensional, right? And now it's throwing so many things out there. It kind of needs to give everything a bit of depth. We've seen them fuck up with things like Killian um, and kind of trying to give a representation without actually doing the research. We've seen the lengths they've gone to with Kamigawa to kind of really 
dig in and go, no, we can actually get to, to, to the to, to the true um, representation of culture, you know, and not and not misrepresent it and, and do it in, a, in an effective fashion that actually sings and, and complements the plane, allows the plane to be more than just, you know, a cookie cutter expected. Oh, here is some swords and, and a kimono. And maybe there's uh, some noodles in one of the artworks if we do food. Good, good job. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've, we've yeah. moved away from that, which is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, again, I... I'm, I'm interested. To, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the next year after this is going to be. Because again, I'm I, I'm with you. I think this Dominaria United uh, Brothers War is really exciting. My only concern is let's not do a timey wimey stuffy thingy to try and because that's my only concern is when we go to the Brothers War, are we going back in time to fix something, or are we literally just looking or finding? <laughs> oh, something? I don't I want it to be not. that. So I really, what I really hope is that big gate thing isn't like a random, like fucking actual Stargate that does like timey-wimey stuff. I'm hoping that we just go back in time and see some aspect of the story that we hadn't seen represented before that has ramifications in the future. Instead of going back and changing something that then changes the future. So I'm hoping that's oh, kind God, of what yeah. happens. Teferi but, needs yeah. to fuck off. <laughs> he needs <laughs> to GTFO. He's so cool. He's so cool, but his abilities naturally break kind of storytelling, right? And that's the problem with Teferi is he's really cool. Like his cards, you just can't make a Teferi card without it being a sack of shit that no one wants to play against even though he's a really cool character um, he's a really cool character he's a really cool he's character a time traveler yeah you've just designed him into into a corner unfortunately um so yeah i mean i'm excited for this year because i think new companions in, in isolation can be fine it's also nice to see elspeth back again so we've got confirmation of that uh, maybe we're gonna see some calyx bullshit maybe we'll see some optonixes but we, we don't know yet that's quite cool um and then again yeah if, if if we if the next year after this is mostly dominated by the phyrexian threat building and then building towards like a a, a, a force against them i kind of like that idea because that's a year right of being able to build up something again i feel that's where magic was really starting to sing for me was when we had these broad arcs that could have bring in multiple time multiple things from multiple places the whole ugin and opening up and the Eldrazi thing happening and then and then Sarkin's time travel thing and Target like all of that all having threads together and then getting to do the core was it 20, was it M19 when we did the story of Nicobolus and we saw yeah yeah so all of that that's where I really felt like magic was really kind of going off properly the problem was I don't necessarily know if most of the audience was ready for it and, and invested in it I feel like now people have been given a bad story they'd be more willing to invest in that kind of story again so i'd like to, i'd be interested to see that i mean they hooked us with a tamio compilation right they know how to hit us in the gut so i feel like they i feel like they should by now know what story beats we want and how to handle it properly yeah for sure could you imagine if they gave the nicobolus uh stories from m19 the same pageantry and like uh media coverage that they have done for all the sets since say like kaldheim could you imagine like how big that kate elliott story would have been and how invested people would have been if you had like you know then they did like a fucking cartoon or a comic or you know they had like a bonus in the meditation realm doing like this weird swirly thing and then Anything, I have the like, tell, I'd find out how it all began. And you're like, yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Could man, you imagine? That so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really understated, the fact we got Elder Dragons back again, you know? Again, I guess it depends on how much we're throwing a bone to the OG uh, players compared to the new players. Because this is, I still, still think, where we, we, we maybe underestimate how new the audience currently is, you know, how how every year, how many newer players are picking up the game that don't still have ideas of, of the old lore, which again is maybe why the Brothers Law is a perfect set to do, because again, it does the whole catch you up, 
whilst also giving you giving you a throwback as well, kind of like Kamigawa, right? Like it had something for the new and something for the old, you know, so it didn't necessarily matter. And I feel like they kind of will probably still have to do this with most with most sets or with some sets each year. Let's try and do that kind of throw forward, throw back, trying to keep everyone together because it's 30 years, right? It's still 30 years and you still want to play the nostalgia, mm. but you still want to keep it new and shiny. And this is it's a lot. Of, it, the more I talk about it, the more I'm proud of Wizards to keep this shit going on because it's a lot of shit to balance. So they they do do it very well. Um, you know, for the most part, there are always going to be mistakes and stuff that happen, like the accelerated banning process. But again, it shows why focusing on a format like Commander that's non-rotational is probably better than the formats you constantly have to put loads of time and effort into cultivating into healthy formats, which sounds equally exhausting. Mm, for sure. Well, like I just we we've did this episode episode 100 just to kind of look back and look forwards and just to have maybe like a bit of a chat about ourselves and but i i just you know you're going away this is it episode 100 the fox Aye. and the moon is going to be waning out for a little bit yeah until, back until back the in. new moon exactly yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like as i said earlier like i alluded to it, it's kind of i think it's kind of a good thing i feel there's been a lot of like on, on like a lot on a deeper level there's been like some building fatigue as it were because again there's just a lot of content to, to constantly be engaged with and i find it very difficult i see commanders that i want to build that i just don't have the time to build i see all these different cards that i'll buy i'll throw into a deck and i don't play the deck for three or four weeks and it's get, it gets to that point of where i'm like i'm not dissatisfied with magic i don't feel the need now to kind of have my finger on the pulse all the time and it'd be quite nice to take a step back and then come back and kind of see how everything see how everything is in a, in, a, in a few in a few months um and then maybe do it again for a bit maybe that might be the nice way to bounce back and forth um with the game for a little bit before you know giving up all of my money to it once again <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been a really really fun journey i mean it's been again it's been a really exciting time to be in a magic content producer like there's been so much happening there's been so much to talk about there's been so much engagement uh, so much conversation um in general i feel like the 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 nerdy things in life right now are are kind of on a high everything from anime to 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 marvel to 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 games um i feel like they're all kind of exploding in their own little way which is a really nice thing for someone who's kind of invested in all of those all those sides of things but also every now and again you need to take a step away and have a breath you know and i feel like that's probably probably going to be good for me i'm going to miss it though it's gonna be really weird it's gonna be really weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm gonna miss you sleep. too as well, man. I mean, you know, obviously, we're friends outside of this, and we we have been for for over a decade now. But mm. for the past couple of years, this has been our main way to engage with each other, and you know, just through this game or like through creating this podcast. And so, yeah, I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you terribly, dude. I'm gonna miss you always. No, no, it's gonna be um, weird not having these uh, lovely conversations, but hearing your dulcet tones. I mean, we'll probably still have the conversations. I just won't be hitting a record button. That's true. (laughs) All the weird episodes that people won't get to hear, like essentially episodes of Magic the Flavoring that are just going to be, like, what, not recorded for public consumption. How weird is that? (laughs) Well, there's a joker yesterday. uh, One of our um, guys who play with Dave said, um, what if you just, like, call me me up in random places um, and I'm, like, just, like, on a random street, you know, with, like, a piñata behind me, you know, drinking, uh, drinking, uh, you know, pina colada or whatever and being, like, foreign flavour, like, hot hot shot and just, like, do, like, little 10-minute drive-bys. Like, sorry, Adam, (laughs) can't can't eat. Break it up, buddy. Sorry. New legends look cool, though. Speak soon. (laughs) If you want to do a Magic the Flavouring travel vlog... (laughs) 
<laughs> and just take over our YouTube channel and just upload those every like couple oh of weeks. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Um, I need to see what the scene's like. That's the thing. Maybe that's it. I, I start. I start a new frenzy out in uh, out in Mexico. Because I mean, that, the the biggest question was, do I take any cards with me? And I think the ultimate answer is probably going to be no, because I trimmed a lot of stuff anyway. Unless I buy a few like a couple like challenger decks or something like that, just to take out and have something to play with, um, which I might do anyway. But then that's just so dangerous to them being like, guys, have you heard of this cool format um, called Commander? Um, just, I'm just gonna have some I don't think. Shit, so. <laughs> I don't think you'll have any trouble wherever yeah. you are in the world finding somewhere that's selling a couple of precons. You might have that's a trouble true. finding ones in in like English language, depending on where you are. That's but, fine. Uh, I barely know what the cards do as it is. There's too many words written on them anyway, so I just ignore half of them regardless. <laughs> it's just how it works these days. What does the card do? Just the first few lines. Well, we talked about this yesterday about the stu- that stupid fucking snake enchantment you played. Like I was exhausted reading. Oh, I played uh, Shigeki from. Uh, Shigeki from Kamigawa and yeah, yeah I was I played it it was the first time I ever cast it and then I was trying to think of my next play pattern and I went oh actually I don't even know what this guy does I had an idea of why I slotted it in the deck I was like well he's a legendary enchantment creature and there's some stuff on there about him like getting lands and and something I don't know but like someone pointed out that even before you get to the text box there's already like seven or eight words like in his name and in his typeface yeah. it's like well, I don't even know what this card does I don't, yeah it doesn't even matter anymore the, the, the artwork's so good it's the other thing right the artworks are so good and busy that you're like oh it doesn't even matter what the card does like how cool this card looks what does it do it doesn't matter look at it it's, it's so shiny <laughs> there'll be an episode coming out in a couple of weeks time which I've already reco- uh, recorded with our, our friend Total MTG uh, and I think I is it is it total or is it, was it Adam the Gathering? I don't know. There's been a, well, I've recorded a couple of episodes in the backlog, and I was talking to someone about like how. Well, <laughs> I just don't have time <laughs> to do it every week, um, and I talk about how. Yeah, I just I can't recite what any cards from the last maybe year and a half do, but I can mm. tell you exactly who illustrated every single card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's much easier to digest the the art than it is the 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 text box these days, which actually says a lot. That's a whole other thing, right? Like the waiting of uh, art, art starts to, to text box. You I mean, hey, for us, can only be a good thing. Can only right, be exactly. a good thing. Can only be a good thing. Cool. Well, sir, is this, uh, is this it? Have we come to... And now the time has come. <laughs> so I think we've come to the end of our Final 100th curtain. episode. <laughs> well... well what a thank you so much for taking this journey with me so far man you will be back this isn't it no, you absolutely. are going to be back on the show yeah, when you come yeah, back yeah. from your travels and uh yeah we'll see if i can get some grainy grainy like off your phone recording from oh, uh, great. from somewhere <laughs> off my phone off my face it'd be great it'd be lovely drunken mexican <laughs> um a- a- anguish over like can you believe what they did to our boy obnixilus they made him celestia what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Why is, why is he in band colors why is he in band colors god damn it uh, <laughs> why is he marrying elspeth what's happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> well oh, on that bombshell uh if you want to message nathan good luck and farewell you can hit us up on our twitter at mt flavoring emails go to mt flavoring at gmail.com my personal twitter is at andy manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon uh, and yeah thank you so much for listening so far there are episodes going to be coming up for season 2 uh, where it's going to be little old me chatting to some of our uh, friends in the magic community and maybe some new pals as well um, but other than that all that remains me to say is I love you Nathan and thank you so much for listening this has been Magic the Flavoring I'll see you soon